This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. Hi, so ahead of the main part of the show today, I wanted to tell you about a free PR challenge which I'm going to be running in the middle of September 2020. So it's going to be from Monday the 14th to Friday the 19th of September. Um, If you'd like to take part, I'm going to put a link to sign up in the show notes for this episode, or you can go to my website, which is publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk. And if you go to the um, blog post for this episode, there'll be a link there as well. What it is, it's a Publicity for Pet Businesses challenge, um, and it's a free challenge taking place on Facebook. And what happens is every day you get a new task to do. They only take about 10, 15, 20 minutes maximum. And each day, the task will take you a step closer to getting publicity for your pet business. So this will be the fourth time that I've run it. I've had some really good results over the last um, few times that we've run it. Last year, when I did it in September, we had quite a few pet business owners featuring Christmas gift guides in local and regional newspapers, magazines, uh, on the radio. So it's a great opportunity for you to get publicity for your business. Um, Every evening, um, I have a Zoom call, which you're welcome to come along to, and we can talk about the task that has been put on that day. The reason why I do it on the Zoom call is because you can have a two-way conversation with me so I can give you feedback and make any suggestions that I think that might help you. Um, I put all of the material in a Facebook group as well. So if you would like to um, take part in the challenge and get a bit of a taster of what it's like to work with me and hopefully get some publicity for your pet business, then do let me know. You can either send me a direct message or you can sign up on the link um, with the show notes for this episode or on the website. So hope to see you there. And now for the main part of the show. Hi, and welcome to the show. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about a topic that comes up quite a lot, and it is about whether or not you should send a press release or story idea to a journalist who has just covered the story that you're actually putting forward. So what can happen sometimes is if you're working on a story or you're putting together a press release you can have spent like loads and loads of time putting the story idea or the press release together and then you keep looking on google you do a quick google search just as you're about to go and put the story out and oh my gosh someone's already done the same story or they might have just done the same story and if that happens it can be quite easy to feel like um, all of your hard work has kind of gone down the pan because you've put all this effort into putting together your story idea, maybe going and finding case studies, doing your research, writing up your press release, and then it's already out there. Now, what I wanted to do, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is just because somebody's already written the story that you've been kind of toiling over doesn't mean that it's dead in the water. Um, And the reason why I say this is because if it's piqued the interest of a journalist once um, and it's been published once, then the chances are that you're onto a decent story and that it will happen again. So what I'm going to do in this podcast is I'm going to share some advice on what to do if a journalist has already covered your story. And I'm also going to share a few examples as well of stories and situations where something has just been covered, 
But then it's ended up leading to another story further down the line. Some of them are going to be um, my own examples and then there's going to be a few from other journalists who I know as well. Um, and hopefully that will, um, if, you, if you're in this situation where your story has just been covered, it will give you a few options and ideas of alternatives and things that you can do and also give you a bit of hope as well and not leave you feeling disheartened that you've kind of missed out on getting some coverage. So the first scenario I'm going to talk about is what to do if your story idea is linked to an awareness day. So by awareness day, I mean something like National Dog Photography Day or National um, Puppy Day or Love Your Pet Day or something like that. You might have been going through the days of the year and you might have seen an awareness day and thought, okay, that's a really great angle for my story or campaign. So for example, in March, there is Pet Anxiety Month, um, and that was set up by um, an animal health company to focus on anxious dogs. So, if you're like a dog trainer, then you might, and you work specifically with anxious dogs, then you might think, okay, Pet Anxiety Month is going to be a really good month for me because that's when I can pitch stories around anxious pets. But there will probably be other days throughout the year that you can you can look at and you can think, actually, you know, I might be able to do something around Christmas and around pets and anxiety at Christmas. So. What I would do is if you if you have created a pitch around an awareness day and then you've found out that a journalist has just covered the very story that you were going to pitch, then think about some other ways that you can you can use that pitch and use that material um, and some other hooks and angles. So just as an example, last month it was National Dog Photography Day um, and that was a awareness day set up by Kerry Jordan, who's a pet photographer, and it because she founded the day, she's kind of been working on National Dog Photography Day for a few months. So she had some coverage back in April, I think it was, back in, in the Times where she talked about National Dog Photography Day then. And even though the Awareness Day wasn't until July, she was still able to mention it back then because it's her own Awareness Day. Um, so she had coverage before the day and then on the day and then also after the day as well. And people who were involved with National Dog Photography Day, so other pet business owners who urged their clients and their followers to share photos, they also had publicity from National Dog Photography Day as well. So one of the ladies in my membership community, Karen Boyce, she's a dog trainer over in Wales, and she did a Facebook post where she urged people to share photos of their dogs for National Dog Photography Day. So she got all these brilliant photos, dogs having a great time, and she ended up being able to pitch a picture story to her local paper. So even though National Dog Photography Day had already happened, it had already been written about, Karen was able to go and pitch her own her own take on that story, and she got featured in her local paper. So that was brilliant for Karen. Um, what I wanted to do is give you a bit of a scenario, Is um, if it's and this is where you pitch to a journalist who's already written the story and you're a little bit too late so there's a freelance journalist called Ema O'Hagan and she writes lots of real life stories um, and last year she wrote a story about brain injury awareness week so there would have been a case study involved in that story who was talking about you know what it's like to have a brain injury and then shortly afterwards a lady called Emma Stewart got in touch with her and it was with her real life story about how she sustained a brain injury while out cycling so while it was too late for her to be used for her story to be used for the awareness day last year as in in 2019 in May when it was brain injury awareness week Ema kept hold of the story and then the following year when she was looking to pitch around that that theme again she pitched Emma's story and that ended up being a double page spread in the in the Daily Express so afterwards um 
I saw this post, I used to do a lot of work for Emma when she was on magazines, but I saw her post in a Facebook group about this situation and she's let me use this as part of the podcast. Um, Emma said in the Lightbulb Facebook groups, that's a really good Facebook group if you're looking for media opportunities, I talked about that quite a bit before, um, she said, good things come to those who wait. This time last year, Emma Stewart contacted me with her story, but she'd just missed out on a National Awareness Week, which was the perfect hook. Today, it ran in the Express with a name check for her company. So that's what Ema said about how somebody had used the Awareness Week, the Awareness Days, to contact her to get in touch with the story. Actually, they'd waited a year for it to run, but it still led to a really great piece of coverage. So a double page spread in the Express is uh, not to be sniffed at. So even if you've got a story that links to an Awareness Day, you don't feel like, like you can link it to anything else. There aren't any other pegs really as such for you to use for the story. Don't worry because you know you can still get in touch with the journalist who'd written about that topic and they may then use it again the following year as Ema did with the Brain Injury Awareness Week. Now the other thing that Emma could have done um, if she you know if she'd if she wanted to get something in sooner or she was looking at other publications to target and maybe different angles on her story she could also consider another awareness week or awareness day. So it's actually road safety week in November. So her campaign about um, about how she sustained an injury with by, as she was wear, um, riding a bike without wearing a helmet, that would tie in with road safety week as well. So if you've got something pegged on one awareness day, chances are there could be other awareness days that you can get involved with that you can still use the story for. So the next scenario is what do you do if your pitch is based around a survey or a study? So let's say you've just done a massive study into what life is like for pets in lockdown. So over the last few weeks and months, I've had so many press releases that have landed in my inbox about pets and lockdown and lots of different angles going on there. Um, and I wrote about re really early on in lockdown, I wrote about what it was like for pets being at home with their owners and how owners can keep their pets entertained and things like that and every week after I'd written that story I would see more and more press releases landing in my inbox covering the same thing so I felt like I couldn't cover them because I'd already done that story I'd done it I'd written it quite a few times as well but I did keep seeing the stories end up in other publications so just because one publication has featured that story doesn't mean to say that other journalists and other publications won't feature it if, if it's on a slightly different angle and a more specific um, scenario with this um, is about is a case study of a story that I did a few years ago about paternity leave. So sometimes it's called paternity leave or sometimes it's called paternity leave. Basically what it is, it's when employers give staff time off when they get a new pet. So back in 2016 it was, it was quite a new thing and I was asked to go and find some case studies for the Sunday Mirror newspaper who of business owners who'd let their staff have paternity leave so they've given them two weeks off to settle in their new pet so like I say at the time it was quite a new thing there weren't that many companies doing it there'd been a report out by pet plan pet insurance into paternity leave and how it's becoming becoming more common so I was asked to go and find some people who'd given given paternity leave to their staff so one of my contacts put me in touch with a guy called Breg Greg Buchanan, who runs a company called Bitsol IT Solutions in Manchester, and he talked about how he'd given staff time off and how he, him and his partner had had time off when they had their dogs. So he talked about his own personal experience. We had some lovely photos of him and his partner with their dogs, and it made for a really good feel-good story 
Um, it got loads of coverage, so it went in the mirror. It also got picked up by This Morning. It got picked up by news sites like all over the world because it was a really new thing. So Greg had loads of publicity from it, which was brilliant. Um, but then a few days later, after the piece ran, I had another had a PR company who were working for Poor Shake. So Porsche is a pet sitting app and at the time um, they were using this particular PR company and they got in touch and said, we saw the story that you did about paternity leave. We've done some research into it as well. Do you think there's, there's anything that you can do with it? So obviously I'd just written the story about paternity leave. It was unlikely that I was going to be writing about it anytime soon, but I thought, okay, this, you know, this research is helpful. It sounds interesting. The app sounded interesting. So I rang up the PR company and said, really sorry, don't think I'm going to be able to do um, paternity leave, but I do think I might be, you know, if you've got any other great case studies or stories, then, you know, do let me know. So at the time I was writing quite regularly for the Sunday Mirror and Sunday People pet pages. So I was always looking for great pet stories for that. So I had a chat with the PR and she said, we've actually got a poor shake pet sitter who has a cat that gives a Reiki healing. So I was like, oh my gosh, that's a really interesting story. So we ended up doing that story instead and it led to some really good publicity for poor shake. So just because a journalist has written about a study or some or a survey or some statistics that you've got, even if you get in touch with them and say, yeah, you know, we've got, we have a very similar thing, it might lead to you working on a different story together. So it's worth making that contact. If they've been interested in it once, chances are they might write about it again. So as I said, with the Poor Shake story, it ended up them, they gave me a completely different story, but it still led to some great publicity for them. And I will link to the story about the Reiki cat in the show notes for this episode. So another thing to consider is what if the journalist is going to cover the topic again. So I'm going to give you another example of something that I've done quite recently um, with a story about pet models. And generally speaking, journalists will cover the same stories over and over again. So you might, like I write a lot about pets at Christmas, so every year I'm going to have to think of a new angle about pets at Christmas. Um, Every wedding season, normally when you can have a wedding and we're not in lockdown. I write about weddings really regularly and I've written about pets at weddings over and over again. So I think probably three years ago I did something, again it was with Poor Shake and that was about pets at weddings and that was talking about the rise of pets taking part in weddings. So it was a survey and in there they said, you know, they talked about how many pets are bridesmaids and how many people don't want their pet to miss out on their wedding day. And then we had a case study of a couple who had their four boxer dogs at their, sorry, English bulldogs at their wedding, a lady called Karen Chamberlain. So I can link to that in the uh, show notes as well. So you can have a look at that because it's a great fun story. Um, the following year, I wrote about wedding chaperones. So I wrote a story about a lady who runs a business, taking pets along to weddings and making sure that their owner has the pet at the wedding and has a really relaxed time. Um, I've written about pets at weddings again you know just a similar story with the case study that I did with Karen um, so I've written about pets at weddings several times so even though I've written about you know dogs being flower girls and bridesmaids and that kind of thing once it doesn't mean to say if you've got something about that I won't cover it again if you've got a really good angle on it fantastic so say for example you had a great angle about pets being bridesmaids on zoom at weddings that could be a really fun story for me um, another example is recently, um, like in July 2020, I wrote a story about pet models and that was for the Sun newspaper. So I 
I'd, I'd already written that story or written a very similar story about pets being online influencers three years earlier for the Mail Online. But then I was asked to write about the pet model topic again. So what happened was I went to the contact who helped me in with the first story, a lady called Layla from Urban Paws, the one that I did for the Mail Online, um, for, for the Mail Online and Mail on Sunday. And then she provided me with some more case studies of pet models for the new feature. So fresh faces, fresh angle, but very similar story and a similar topic. So if you'd have read the first piece that I did about the pet influencers and thought, I can't, I can't contact that journalist again because they've already written about the topic, you, you know, potentially you could have missed out on a PR opportunity there. Um, now, when the story came out about the pet models, I had other owners of pet models contact me on social media to say they had a superstar pet. And if I was ever covering the topic again, could I consider them? So I now have, if I ever get asked to cover superstar pets again, I've got a few people who I can get in touch with. So I'm going to have new case studies and new names to go with that feature rather than going over the same case studies and the same thing over and over again. So just because you've written, somebody's written about a topic once doesn't mean to say they won't write about it again. So think about that if you, you know, if you see a particular topic being written about, you could, you know, chances are that they will cover that story again. So the next scenario that I wanted to cover, cover was product roundups. So I have written over, over the years I've written about quite a lot of pet products and sometimes you'll just write about them as a standalone story and then sometimes you'll write about them as a roundup sometimes you might do a guide so you might do a, you might compare lots of different pet products so you might do a guide on you know the best dog harnesses or the best dog leads that kind of thing so probably about five years ago when pet fitness trackers first came out I wrote a story about the pit part um, and I wrote about it being a tracker and how you know what it did and why it had been invented and I wrote about the guy who'd invented it a guy called Andrew and I did a straightforward story in the I think it was in the Daily Star Sunday that was the first story that I did and I wrote it the angle on it then was about it um, basically being used as a tool to tackle pet obesity and then I did a tried and tested feature for another newspaper where I wrote about what it was like having a Fitbit for my dog so that was another angle on the same story so after I wrote about the pit pat, I had a few other pet tracker brands get in touch and say, um, read your story about the pit pat, we've also got a similar product, would you be interested in featuring us? So while I couldn't write the story about their tracker in the same way I did with the pit pat, because the pit pat was the newest one, what I did end up doing was I did a roundup of the best pet activity trackers, and I did that for the Indie Best, news, um, Indie Best website. So I think I compared seven different pet activity trackers and then obviously you have to feature the best one. Um, so that was a really great, um, really great opportunity for all of the pet trackers really because it's a review on a very high authority website. So when people are Googling um, best pet activity tracker, they're going to find that content and it's going to give them a guide. And in the piece, I go through the, the features, advantages and benefits of all the different activity trackers so they can then make a decision as to which one is going to be best for their pets. So if you see a journalist has written about a product and you have the same product, chances are they might further down the line be writing about that product again or they might do a product roundup or even your email as it did in my situation, your email might prompt them to think actually I can do a comparison piece where I compare different dog leads or different pet cameras or different different pet activity trackers as I did and then they can do a roundup piece um, where they compare lots of different ones so if you've got a product and a journalist has already written about something similar please don't be disheartened because you can still get something out of it you can still get a great feature from 
um, approaching them and telling them about what it is that you do. The key thing to remember with this though is if you get in touch with them, one thing they won't be able to do is rewrite the feature and put your product in there. So I've had this happen a few times with my pet trackers and my pet camera story. I've had um, PR companies and product makers get in touch and say, please, can you include that this one in here? If I'm writing for a large um, organisation like The Independent, I can't then go in and amend the copy. When I write the copy the first time round, that's what goes in. I'm not able to add anything in there. If you're working with a blogger, so let's say if you, because I've also got a pet blog, if you approach me and said, would you be able to include my pet tracker in your, um, you know, your pet tracker roundup blog, chances are I would be able to do that. But if it was for a big organisation like The Independent or The Daily Mail or any newspaper, I'm not able to go and edit the content that I've put in there. I file the piece and then it's done and it's, you know, they go on to the next one. They don't add and change pieces um, to add in new products. So the final bit of advice that I wanted to give you on this is if you've got a story, you've seen a journalist has already covered it, or you've seen that it's been written about quite a lot, a topic that's been really heavily covered, but you think I've got something that I can give on this and I don't want to miss out on the opportunity. One thing that you can do is you can change the angle of your story. So just as an example here, um, there's been low, we're in August 2020 and there's been lots of stories about separation anxiety and dogs um, following lockdown and owners returning to work and what's it going to be like for the dogs and how are the dogs going to cope and how can you help your dog overcome separation anxiety and what tools are out there to check that your dog hasn't got separation anxiety it's been done to death so what I wanted to do is to explain to you how you can change an angle of a story so I was talking to one of the ladies in my membership community dog trainer called Kerry Lawson so she is a dog trainer over in Leeds and she runs an organization called the happy dog project so i'll link to her go and check her out she's got loads of great things around having um you know having a happy healthy dog and helping your dog overcome anxiety so she came to me we were in one of our dropping sessions and she said that she wanted to do a press release about separate separation anxiety and, and lockdown she'd had a radio um, a radio journalist get in touch with her who she's worked with in the past asking for ideas and she thought i really want to do this separation anxiety piece so I, we had a bit of a chat about it um, and we kind of agreed that because it had been covered so much, we wanted to give it a fresh angle. So what we did is we flipped the idea on its head and instead we did a piece about owners returning to work. So in the pitch and in the piece, Kerry talked about what it's like um, when owners are returning to work after spending lots of time at home with their pets. So she talked about the different options that are available. So she talked about how owners can take their dogs to work and how officers can make their workplace is dog friendly and the, stop, the steps that that employees can follow if they want, so employers even, can follow if they want to make their offices dog friendly. So that ended up being really interesting because we all know how beneficial it is for, um, you know, to be around dogs and how it can help with our mental health and feeling of well-being. And because Kerry is obviously an expert in dogs and happiness, um, she could give some really great advice on how to have a happy workplace for you and your dog. Um, in there, we also talked about separation anxiety and you know how to, if you can't take your dog to work with you, what steps you can put in place to make sure that they don't suffer from separation anxiety. So we covered the topic that Kerry wanted to cover, the separation anxiety, but we gave it a fresh angle, we gave it a bit of a fun angle as well, and it made it much more appealing than all of the other press releases that were out there or pictures that were out there about separation anxiety and lockdown. Because when you've seen that pitch so many times as a journalist, you just think, 
yep, we've seen this, I've seen it, I've read it, I've read this picture over and over again, but because we put a fresh angle on it, it made it more appealing. So Kerry went on the radio, she got a great piece of radio coverage, and fingers crossed we're getting a bit of national newspaper coverage for Kerry as well with that same angle. Um, like with Poor Shake as well, the paternity angle had already been done, but what I did with their data is I kept hold of it, so when I covered the topic again, I had some fresh statistics. So... Sometimes you can change the angle of your story like Kerry did and just change it around. Sometimes if you've got some new data, the journalist might write about it again. So they might keep hold of your statistics for, for when they write about it a second time. So when I did paternity leave, I didn't want to write one feature where we use pet plan and then do another feature using the same figures. I wanted to bring in some up to date figures. So when I wrote it about when I wrote about it a second time, I used the poor shake figures. So bit of a conclusion to wrap things up on this episode um hope i've given you lots of things to think about and i hope um if you have had a you know if you have been in a situation where a journalist has just covered your topic and you're kind of despairing and thinking oh god what can i do now um there's lots of lots of helpful advice here that you can go ahead and implement to make sure that you do get the coverage that you um, that you're looking for so just to conclude, should you send a press release to a journalist who's just covered the exact same story? So I think you know the answer is that my advice will be yes. So as long as you send an email to them saying that you saw the piece and if they cover a topic, if they cover the topic again, this is what you have to offer them. What I wouldn't do is offer, um, ask them to update the story or ask them, ask them to put your product in the product lineup because they're not able to do that or ask them to put your quotes in the story or ask them to link to your study or whatever it is. They're not able to do that, so it's just going to be a little bit annoying. But if you are able to, you know, contact them in a polite and helpful way, then chances are they're probably going to keep hold of your case study or your stats. They might pick up the phone and ring you like I did with Paul Shake, so you don't know where it's going to lead to. The worst thing that can happen is they're just going to delete it. So that's not the end of the world. They're not going to hold it against you. They're not going to think, oh my gosh, that awful person sent me a story that I'd already written. They're just going to forget about it in a nanosecond. But the best case scenario is that they hold on to the story for the future or they might give you a call, see if there's anything that you know you can work on together. Um, so I hope these examples have been inspiring for you. With the poor shake example, you know, when they contacted me, it led to three pieces of really good national coverage in like less than a year, which is a really, uh, really great hit rate for them. Um, and ultimately, you know, I would just say take whatever opportunity you have to build a relationship with a journalist. And even if you don't get a yes every time, don't let it get you down. Don't be disheartened. Um, and also, final thing on this is if you are thinking of pitching a story, particularly if it's around, um, you know, Christmas or you're thinking about pitching about an awareness day, do always remember you can't pitch too early. You're better off pitching really, really early and being the first person to mention that particular topic than to, you know, get to a week before the awareness day and then get in touch with the journalist and then chances are somebody else has already beaten you to it. Now, I've done a full podcast episode on this and that's called How Early Do I Need to Pitch to a Journalist? So I'm going to link to that in the show notes for this episode. So if you want to go and listen to that, you can do. And finally, if you would like a bit more support and you'd like to have a bit of a chat, you know, I say in a two-way conversation rather than just listening to me on the podcast, I've got a free PR challenge which is taking place in September and that is basically where you have a different task every day. You come you come to the challenge with a story idea or angle. You have a different task every day. I will support you in writing your pitch and getting your idea together, helping you form your idea. We have a Zoom call um, every day at the end of the at the end of the task, so you can chat to me about how you've got on. If you'd like to take part in it, 
I will link to the sign up page in the show notes for this episode. It's completely free. It all happens in a Facebook group. We have the calls on Zoom. So if you can't be in the Facebook group, that's fine as well. You can sign up to it without being on Facebook. Just find working in Facebook is just really easy because that's where we spend so much time. So yeah, if you'd like to find out more about the challenge, then do drop me a line or sign up in the show notes or head to my website, which is publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk. And on there, you'll be able to find out more information about how to take part if you go to the um, blog post, which is with this episode. And finally, do come and say hello to me in the Facebook group as well. It would be brilliant to see you in there. And if you find the information that I share on this show helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could leave me a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. It really means a lot to me um, to have a review and have feedback. And it also means that more people find out about this podcast as well. So I hope you found that episode helpful. Thank you so much for listening and I will look forward to seeing you soon. And thank you again for supporting the show. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.